0: continually crave comfort in the midst of an uncomfortable world. Yet, are we confident in the course of our efforts? We serve up for ourselves more than we need of what we thought we were missing, only to find ourselves empty. Settling in alongside well-worn whims or lackadaisical luxuries that lead to lethargy, we embrace a version of comfort that may momentarily mask our worry but soon find ourselves bouncing back to what has bound us up. If we have any hope of releasing control of the comfort we've kept wrapped up tight, we'll need to start with surrender. And in surrender to Jesus, we find comfort for life in the kingdom of God. Welcome everybody to the weekend. I trust you guys had a great Easter. For those of you who could join us at one of our campuses or venues, it was great to see you. And for those of you joining us online, anywhere here in the United States or around the world, I hope you had a great Easter. Welcome back. We are in our series called From Head to Leb, meaning from head to heart. How do we learn to love God with our whole being, our mind, and our hearts? We're traveling through the Gospel of John, and we're entering into the seventh season. And this season is all about comfort, C-O-M-F-O-R-T, comfort. And so I want to do something a little bit different. You know, normally I stand here and kind of talk at you, and I thought to myself, I wish sometimes I could just sit across the table from you and, and speak and share and have a conversation. We can't necessarily have a conversation this way. But I think I could be a little bit more comfortable and and maybe give you a sense of the fact that we're kind of sitting across from each other. So uh, grab something to drink if you have it, and uh, open your Bibles up to John chapter 10. And let's try to have a bit of a conversation and talk about the comfort of surrendering to Jesus. Now, one of the things you're going to notice in John chapter 10 is that Jesus talks an awful lot about shepherd and sheep. And I want to ask you a question. When you think about yourself, do you see yourself more as a sheep or a shepherd? That is, do you see yourself more as a follower or as a leader? Now, in any given room, there are always more followers than there are leaders. And our culture just seems focused on leadership. I mean, when's the last time you went to a conference on followership or read a book on how to follow an effective leader? Do you know that most books on leadership are written by those who think everybody else should follow them? (laughs) There are actually about 15,000 books, 15,000 books on leadership. But if you go and look for any books on followership, like I said, you'll find few and far between And the ones that you do find are written by leaders trying to tell you, yes, you should follow them. In fact, one of my favorite photos is of a group of sled dogs. They're all harnessed up and ready to go. At the very front is this high-tailed lead dog with his tail, you know, kind of standing straight up and waving a little bit, and he's ready to go. And then you get this caption. The caption goes like this. It says, if you're not the lead dog, the scenery never changes. And that is so true, isn't it? I mean, you're always staring at the leader, having to follow the leader. And it's like the leader's the one that has the vision, has the open space, and is moving forward. So let me ask you, which would you rather be, a shepherd or one of these guys, my friends? A sheep, Sean the sheep. In fact, I like a couple of these guys. They don't have hair, no wool on the top. Well, most of us would look at that and go, yeah, they're cute, but I don't want to be one of those. I'd rather be a shepherd. I'd rather be a leader. If you read John chapter 10 carefully, what you're going to discover is that Jesus says, All of us, each one of us, is actually a sheep. A sheep. So I thought it'd be kind of fun. There you are with your family, or you're at one of our venues or campus. Count of three, let's all give a ba. Ready? One, two, three. Ba. Wasn't that fun? You say, No, it was not fun. I don't want to be a -ah -ah ba sheep. Well, Jesus says that you and I that we are sheep. Now, why would Jesus say that? Well, i give you a couple of reasons. One reason is this, and that is because we are pretty sheepish. You say, is sheepish a word? And the answer is yes, it is. I went to the dictionary. Oxford tells us that sheepish, first of all, means to you know be embarrassed, um, to have shame, to lack self-confidence. So I thought, well, what's Merriam-Webster tell us about being sheepish? And Merriam-Webster says to be sheepish is to resemble a sheep. It is to be timid. It is to be meek. And then the word that my mom forbid us to say, stupid. Now, see, I can say that because my mom is with the Lord now. All right. Yes, that word, S-T-U-P-I-D, stupid. Really? And then I thought about a book I read years ago by a friend, uh, Dr. Han Robinson, who is also now with the Lord, and he was writing on Psalm 23. It's a little book, and he said, "You know, when when the psalmist talks about being a sheep, he's talking about something we never really want to be. That is, we don't want to be helpless, we don't want to be dependent, and we don't want to be." And there we go, with that word again, stupid. I thought, my goodness, what's going on here? So I looked up the word "stupid" and and you know asked myself, "What does it mean?" And it means to be uh, to lack intelligence. Right, to uh, belittle in terms of knowledge and capacity. And I thought, my goodness, is that what Jesus is saying about us? And then I write into a guy named Doug McMillan, who used to be a real-life shepherd, and then he became a pastor, so he, then he was writing about sheep. And he said, it is true, sheep are stupid. He said, they are not like other animals, like your cat or dog, that will come home When one sheep gets lost, another sheep follows to get lost, and pretty soon they're all lost, and then it's a shepherd, you got to go find them. When you do, he says, they panic, and they run back and forth. It's a hassle rounding them up. He says, they really are some of the weakest animals that you'll find on earth. Now, is that really fair for Jesus to call us sheep? The answer to that question is yes, because spiritually speaking, we are like sheep we are helpless. Isaiah chapter 53 says, all we like sheep have gone astray. Or I think of the old hymn that says, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to stray away from the one that I love. Does that sound like you? I know in my life, it's a battle. It's a challenge sometimes to stay focused. My sin nature wants to take over. I want to wander away from God. So yes, I think all of us could testify to the fact that, spiritually speaking, yes, we are sheep stupid. That is, we do wander off. We struggle to stay focused and in the right path. I can think of a second reason, however, why Jesus would compare us to sheep, and that is, like sheep, we are also very dependent, and specifically, we are dependent on others, And even more specifically, I want to talk about our dependence on others for our sense of identity. Now, I refer to this issue of identity a lot because it is so much in the news, it is so much a part of our culture today, and our kids especially are really struggling with this because they're being challenged by the culture on who they are and how to find their identity. You know, we don't discover identity by looking in the mirror. The way we discover identity is actually by looking in other people's eyes and seeing how they see us. So, for instance, if someone sees me as being useless, as never amounting to much, as being a loser, and that's all I ever hear from them, and that's all I see about myself from them, that's how I begin to perceive my identity, as a loser, somebody who won't amount to much so why try on the other hand if someone sees me and others see me and constantly tell me how great i am and how better i am than others how smarter i am than others how stronger i am than others i will grow up to see my identity as a very prideful arrogant person or if someone looks at me and says you know, you are what you feel. Well, if I begin to believe that my identity is related to my feelings, I'm like a yo-yo because my feelings can change from morning to night. And so it's like, well, you know, which feeling am I? And what am I going to do with this? And the tragedy thing about all this, especially as we as we think about our culture today, is there's a tendency for us to see ourselves as kind of a blank slate. So we'll go to a blank screen here. And what the culture saying to us is it's all about how you feel. And so when the culture also says to us, anything that denies your feelings is wrong. So even if your feelings go against your biology, for instance, we can change that. Okay, We can do some things to change that so you can be what you feel you should be. And, and this is something that the culture wants our kids at very young ages, like Kindergarten and on up to to be taught and to understand. And so, what else they're learning is that, therefore, something that promotes an absolute truth and absolute morality like the Bible, that's actually dangerous, is what we're being told now by the culture, because it is denying your feelings. And it then becomes seen as kind of hateful speech. And so, you know, we talk about the cancel culture. Everything that's you know speaking about our feelings needing to be in line or in order with some moral absolute or truth, all of that is being denied. All of that we're being told is wrong. Which, when you stop and you think about it, it, seems kind of insane, doesn't it? it? Seems kind of silly that we would take that attitude. But that's that's where we are these days. So I'm being told that I'm a sheep. Uh, because I'm sheepish, because I'm dependent, right? And thirdly, Jesus says, because like sheep, we are vulnerable to spiritual attack on our souls. You know, as believers, if you're a follower of Christ like I am, you know, we are very aware that the Bible talks about this fact that we're in a spiritual warfare. And I think sometimes we have this attitude that we must always be ready for a spiritual battle, when the reality is every day when you get up, you are already in a spiritual battle. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 6 that our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities. Peter goes on and he describes the spiritual warfare as, as like we're being pursued by this lion, right? That it's, that it's prowling around and it's looking for a weak moment to devour us. And I was thinking about this as it relates to identity, and I thought to myself, you know, the enemy wants to change our sense of identity, desperately so. Because, you see, God created you and me to be the habitation of his spirit. God created you and me to find our identity in him. And the enemy is so afraid of us finding our identity in Christ because if we do, there's great power in that. There's great confidence in that. There's great hope in that. I was reading somebody the other day who said, do you know that if we actually, as a culture, just started living by the Ten Commandments, just all of a sudden we're going to live by the Ten Commandments, there'd be less crime in the world, families would be healed in the world, The economy would get better in the world. Everything would improve. Why? Because we're living under the system that God created. We're living by truth and not letting our emotions dictate and guide our lives. But like I said, you and I are living in this world where it's all about how we feel. And it's causing us to to just think and behave in some of the most ridiculous ways. I was thinking about that story Uh, by um, the Danish author Hans Christian Andersen. You know, The Emperor's New Clothes? If you don't know that story, it's a fun story. It's about these two uh, swindlers that show up in this kingdom where the king loves to get all dressed up and kind of likes to parade himself in front of the people and get all kinds of compliments. And they show up and they tell the king that they can weave him such beautiful and tremendous clothes. If he'll give them the gold that they need, if they'll give them the, the silk and the linen that they need, and it, it's such, the, the clothes they will weave are so special that only people here, and I'm, here we go again, and this is what they say, only people who are stupid will not be able to see it. It will appear invisible to them. Well, the king thinks to himself, man, I like to have clothes like that. And so, gives them gold, gives them linen, gives them silk, everything they want. And every once in a while, the king will come in or he'll send his nobles in to check on the work. And when they walk in the room, they notice that the looms are are all empty, right? And yet the swindlers sit there and they say, now, isn't this beautiful? What what do you think of the patterns on this? And of course, they're thinking to themselves, I can't see anything does that mean I'm stupid? I don't want to come across as stupid. And so they just go, oh, yeah, yeah, those are beautiful patterns and love that color. Even the king comes in and goes, oh, yeah, 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 that, that's, that's beautiful. Nobody wants to appear like they're, you know, like they don't get it, like they're dim-witted. Finally comes the big day. The king takes off all his clothes. He's down to his underwear, and and these two swindlers you know, they, they kind of mime dressing him, right, putting all the clothes on him. And as they're doing it, they're asking people, what do you think? And of course, the nobles are all like, oh, yes. Oh, my goodness. That just is stunning. It makes you look so beautiful. Well, the whole, you know, realm hears about what's going on. They hear about this this, this clothing that you know, only stupid people cannot see. And so when the king goes out and he starts walking in front of everybody, you know, they're all looking at him going, oh yeah, oh my goodness, oh, it's beautiful. In fact, the nobles are pretending to pick up the train of this beautiful robe that's been created for the king. And then one little boy speaks up and he goes, the emperor has no clothes. In other words, the guy's naked. What's going on here? It's like he speaks the truth that everybody else was afraid to say. And that story is so appropriate for where we are in our culture today. I mean, a lot of what's going on today, we know deep down, we just know, the majority of people know this doesn't make sense. Right is now wrong, wrong is now right, good is now evil, evil is now good. And we just sit there, we go, something's wrong here, but, but we, you know, we're afraid to say anything because we might get laughed at, might get put down. Meanwhile, we'll let everybody else say whatever they want. Now, I'm against saying things in a nasty way. I'm against being rude and mean. But we've got to learn to speak up for what is true and right. Do it compassionately. Do it lovingly. Do it correctively. But do it. And let's not pretend things are different. See, that's why we're so much like sheep. It's amazing to me how we'll just pretend and go along with everything Jesus was right. We really are like sheep. We really are like sheep. John chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus put it this way. He said, the thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. And that's what he wants to give you. And that's what he wants to give me. You know, what's Jesus' attitude toward the sheep? I was reminded of something he said in the Gospel of Matthew there. Matthew records that when he saw the crowds, he had, see, compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And I think that when Jesus looks at the world today, I think he feels the same way. I think he looks at our world today, and he has such compassion for this world because people are sheep without a shepherd and you know how they're going to know the shepherd? Through you and through me. We have a world around us that so needs compassion. And part of showing them compassion is speaking for the truth, is behaving like the sheep that Jesus wants to be, the sheep that are of his flock. So why should you and I, why should we trust Jesus to be our shepherd? Let me give you a some reasons, okay? Here's the first one. We should accept Jesus exclusively as our shepherd because Jesus, our good and great shepherd, knows us and still loves us. I, actually, I talked about this on Resurrection Weekend. He knows us and still loves us. He knows you and me and still loves you and me. Listen to what it says in John 10. Jesus goes on. He says, the gatekeeper opens the gate for him And the sheep recognize his voice, the great shepherd, and come to him. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep and they know me. You know what Jesus is doing? He's saying, look, think about real life shepherds and then look at me. Think about real life sheep and look at yourselves. As a true shepherd cares for his real sheep, I am your true shepherd, and I care for you, and I know you. How how does a shepherd, how do the sheep come to know the shepherd? Only because the shepherd has taken the time to really know his, or in some cases, her sheep. Jesus says, I know you. You're not just another number in the crowd. I know you, and I care deeply for you. You matter so much to me. You're not just another number in the crowd. I have seen you. I know you. And I've, you know, and I've gone to the cross, so to speak, for you. Doug McMillan, the guy I was telling you about earlier, described a time when he was riding in a train with a friend of his who was also a shepherd. And all of a sudden he heard his friend exclaim, look, as he's looking out the window, there's the four four lambs that I sold today at the market. They're out there with that that flock of other sheep. And Macmillan says, I didn't even look up because I know in my mind as a shepherd that he really does know which four belong to him. Now, if you were to have me look out at a flock of sheep, okay, and there are all kinds of lambs, I'd have a pretty hard time saying those four are mine unless I really knew them. I want you to know that in the sea of humanity, Jesus really knows you and he really loves you. You matter to him, and he sees you. You are one of a kind to him. That's the second reason why we should make Jesus our shepherd, and that's because our good and great shepherd inestimably values us. Inestimably values you and me. Look what it says in verses 11 through 13. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. A hired hand will run when he sees a wolf coming. He will abandon the sheep because they don't belong to him and he isn't their shepherd. And so the wolf attacks them and scatters the flock. Jesus says, I look at you, and I, you know, no one can put a price on you because you matter so much. You are so incredibly valuable. To me. And the image he brings here is of a real life shepherd who, when they bring their sheep in to the to the pen that is probably made up out of uh, out of stones, a real life shepherd will actually lay across the opening to that pen. And anybody or anything that's going to come for his sheep are is going to have to go through him. Now a hireling will sit there and go, I only get paid by the hour. <laughs> You know, if I have to deal with a wolf, I'm running. If I got to deal with some thieves, I'm out of here. But the shepherd who really knows his sheep and loves his sheep will actually give up his life for his sheep. And what a picture of Jesus who lays himself out stretched on a cross because he loves you and me so much that he dies our death for us so we can live his life. He makes it possible by substituting himself for you and me. He makes it possible for the very Spirit of God to come and inhabit our lives. I've been reading through the book of Exodus which talks about the tabernacle that was built and how when it was finally finished, the glory cloud of God settled over it. Nobody could go into it because God was now present within the Holy of Holies. God doesn't dwell in a tabernacle. He doesn't dwell in a temple anymore. He lives inside of you and me. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that transforming? Why wouldn't anybody you know, not want to be a sheep in the pasture of our Lord Jesus Christ? All right, let's look at why this is so important, okay? Because Jesus, our good shepherd, our great shepherd, has provided you a safe and healthy boundaries to protect you from your enemies. That's the third reason why you should let Jesus be your shepherd. He's provided these safe boundaries to protect you from your enemies. And all of us, all of us face enemies. Look what he says in John chapter 10, verse 1. He says, I tell you the truth, anyone who sneaks over the wall of a sheepfold rather than going through the gate, must surely be a thief and a robber. So explain it to them. I tell you the truth, I am that gate for the sheep. You are, in other words, as I already said, you are so valuable to me. You matter so much to me. I mean, think about the worth of a sheep. A sheep in the pasture was like money in the bank in the ancient days. And to this very day where people still shepherd their sheep. You get wool from it. You get skin for the leather. You get you know, meat for food and milk for drink. And, and sheep will reproduce. Male and female mating together. You can have an endless supply of sheep, so to speak. No wonder the wolves want them, right? And no one of the predators want to steal them. They're so valuable. And Jesus says, you're so valuable to me that not only did I give my life for you, but listen, I've given you safe parameters to live in to help protect you from the spiritual predator of your soul, from the evil one, or from the lies of this world. We used to have a dog. He's now in doggy heaven, all right? His name was Chewy, or Chewster as we called him, all short uh, uh, for this little furry creature that you see here. He's waiting for his lunch, all right? And when we lived in Illinois, and Chewy and Chewster short for Chewbacca, Star Wars, all right? When we lived in Illinois, we had a a backyard that had a a fence and our dog understood that those were the boundaries, that his job was to stay inside that fence. And we're really glad that we had that fence because every once in a while, and I saw it a couple of times, there was a coyote that would prowl up and down behind our fence looking for an opening For an easy meal, because Chewy is very small, Bashan dog. Woe to that Chewy, to that puppy, who tries to dig out under or dig underneath that fence and get out and experience freedom. Right? They may experience freedom, but it's temporary because there's a coyote waiting for lunch. Scripture tells us, and I've read it to you, or quoted to you, that we all live in danger of spiritual warfare. The enemy is constantly looking for ways to grab us, to snatch us, to deceive us, to pull us away, to ruin us, to keep us from becoming that habitation, that place there God wants to dwell. And the boundaries that He's given us is His Word, the Word of God. The Lord says here's the truth. Live by the truth. It'll set you free. The scripture says, your word, I've hidden my heart, so I won't sin against you. Psalm 119, the scripture says there that your word is a, is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. Proverbs 3.5 says, trust in the Lord. Don't lean on your own understanding. Let him direct your ways. And the outcome will be you will walk in the right way and things will go well for you. In the New Testament, Paul wrote a letter to a group of Christians called the Colossians. And in that passage of Scripture, what Paul does is he warns them about false teaching and false ideas. I want to read to you this lengthy passage of Scripture, but I want to read it to you from what's called the message, which is a paraphrase that really kind of brings it into a language that's easy for us to capture its meaning. Here's what Eugene Peterson says. He writes and he says, I want you to know how much I have agonized for you and for the church at Laodicea and for many other believers who have never met me personally. I want them to be encouraged and knit together by strong ties of love. Think of the flock. Think of the church. I want them to have complete confidence that they understand God's mysterious plan, which is Christ himself, the only true shepherd, right? In him lie hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I am telling you this so no one will what? No one will deceive you with well-crafted arguments, which is what we're facing these days. He says, For though I am far away from you, my heart is with you, and I rejoice that you are living as you should and that your faith in Christ is strong." And now, just as you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Sheep, follow the shepherd. Let your roots grow down into him. That is, take your life from him and from no one and nothing else. Don't let anybody else or anything else be your source of identity, but just Christ. Let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the what? In the truth you were taught, that's the scriptures, and you will overflow with thankfulness. Don't let anyone, don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that come from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of this world rather than from Christ. For in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body. So you also are complete through your union with Christ, who is the head over every ruler and every authority. Is Jesus your shepherd? I know I want him to be my shepherd. I want him to be our shepherd. And here's a wonderful secret. You ready for this? Watch. When you truly learn to be his sheep, guess what? He will make you his shepherd when you truly learn to live and follow and feed off of his truth, what he does is he invites you to join him as his under-shepherd, to shepherd your family, to shepherd your friends, and to shepherd all those people out there that Jesus had and still has compassion for, who need to know that there's a God that knows them, there's a God that loves them, There's a God that can transform their lives like he's done for you and for me. So when I ask you that question, are you a sheep or a shepherd? The right answer is both. I'm a sheep in the flock of Jesus and I'm a shepherd who serves the great shepherd. And you know, Jesus can really turn us into shepherds. You know, I think about John Newton. You probably know him, the author of one of the best-loved and best-known songs, Amazing Grace. Do you know that John Newton grew up in a Christian home but rejected the faith and walked away from the faith? And then he just took up every human vice you can imagine. You talk about a sheep that strayed far, far away. And then God got a hold of his life and changed his life. And then God used John Newton to help change the world. Not only because of that great song, Amazing Grace, but because he passed through church and because of his writings and because he got involved in overcoming the worst vice he was ever involved in, the slave trade. And getting it abolished, along with Wilberforce, getting it abolished from England. And maybe hearing his words, again, would be really helpful in that beautiful hymn because it just describes that journey of transformation. You know the words, right? I once was lost. Think about that sheep. But now I am found. I was blind, but now I see. Twas grace that taught my heart to fear. And grace, my fears relieved. How precious did that grace appear the hour I first believed. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. Saved a wretch, a sheep like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. Is that your song? Is that your story? Are you happy and filled with joy to be a sheep that has surrendered and belongs to Jesus? I know it's a tough world. But do you find comfort in knowing that you have a shepherd who's here to lead you through this world, even to the valley of the shadow of death? I will fear no evil because, shepherd, you are with me. You've already gone ahead of me. You've already made a pathway through death. And someday you're going to take me to the pasture land, of paradise in your presence. Have you surrendered to the shepherd? who wants to make you his co-shepherd, his under-shepherd, to show his compassion and love to a lost world. I'd like to invite you, wherever you are right now, at our campuses or our venue, to think for a moment, to pray for a moment, and to surrender yourself anew, afresh, or for the very first time to the Lord. I'm going to turn it over to your campus pastors. For those of you who have joined me online, if you've never surrendered yourself to the great shepherd, would you be willing to do that with me? And if you do that, would you let us know? Would you just let the host know if you're watching live or email us and tell us? Because I want to send you something that's going to help you on your journey with the Lord. Here's all you have to do is just simply bow your heads with me and simply humble yourself before the Lord and say, Lord, I get it now. I am a sheep. I really am a sheep. And I want you to be my shepherd. I want to transfer the care of my soul to you. I want to stop trying to find my identity in this world, in my feelings, in all the lies that are out there. God, it doesn't work. I want to find my identity in Christ. I belong to you. So, Lord, forgive my sins. I turn my life over to you. I say yes to you. In Jesus' name, amen. And listen, if you prayed that prayer, if you mean that with your heart, please let us know. And we'll find a way, even if you're far from us, all right, and can never make it to our campus, we'll find a way somehow to get you connected and to get a mentor in your life who can help you begin to walk and become a sheep who's a shepherd. We'll see you next weekend when we resume our series on comfort.